1: Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com.
0: This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive & June. Olive & June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which Hello and welcome to My Time Capsule. My name's Mike Fenton-Stevens, and my time capsule is the podcast where I ask my guests to tell me the five things from their life that they'd like to put into a time capsule. They can pick four things that they cherish, but they also have to pick one thing that they'd like to get rid of, something they want to bury in the ground and never think of again. My special guest in this episode is the actor, writer and podcaster David Earle, famous for his brilliant comedy character Brian Gittins, which he plays in several Ricky Gervais projects, Derek, Extras, the film Cemetery Junction and the worldwide Netflix smash hit Afterlife. David works regularly with his Afterlife co-star, Joe Wilkinson, and together they co-wrote and starred in the sitcom Rovers and the comedy series The Cockfields. David also hosts three podcasts, Two with Joe. The first, Gossip Mongers, a weekly podcast where listeners send in unsubstantiated rumours and at the end of each episode they choose their favourite piece of gossip. Then there's Chatterbix, a daily weekday podcast about, well, about everything and nothing, which is absolutely brilliant. And My New Football Club, a weekly podcast with John Beer about David becoming a new fan of Exeter City. Yep. Give it a listen. David also co-wrote and starred in the Film 4 feature film Brian and Charles, where as Brian Giddens, he plays an isolated inventor who builds a robot who becomes his best friend. At the Sundance Film Festival in 2022, the film won the Audience Favourite Award. And in 2023, it was rightly nominated for the BAFTA Award for Outstanding British Film. It's my favourite film of 2023, so if you haven't seen it, watch it. It's brilliant. Anyway, those are some of the things that David Earl is famous for. But what are the things that he cherishes? And what is the one thing he'd like to bury in the ground and never think of again? Well, let's find out. Out, shall we here is the unique delightful David Earl what an amazing thing fantastic Brian and Charles I mean I went to see it with my wife we went to see it at a place called Trinity Theatre which is a theatre that shows good cinema right it was rammed I have was to say it? It was, yeah really rammed and not only that it had that fantastic thing at the end where the film finished and then people sat there and watched the credits because they'd enjoyed it so much. They oh, okay. they stayed. They weren't, they weren't
1: snoozing or anything.
0: And they went, <laughs> And then I went, "Come on, everyone, wake up!" <laughs> oh, Jesus! Is it, is it over? Yeah, thank
1: God for that. Yeah. I, I, can I say something, Michael? Right now, yeah, of course. I've you can. got a massive imposter syndrome in that you have had so many good guests on here, and I'm what what am I? And this is not false. I'm like, what am I doing on this podcast?
0: Well, I had to bring the standard down at some point. That's all I'm saying. (laughs) I suppose so. I suppose you've got to fill some gaps. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, come on! No, come on! So we're sitting here with you—you BAFTA nominated, which is not bad, is it? Yeah. I sort of didn't... Uh, what, co- yeah. Now, go on. I keep talking. I'm so excited. I'm no. very excited by the fact because oh, yeah. I so loved your film. Uh, I really did. I really loved it. And actually, there's all sorts of things about it. First of all, I was really pissed off on your behalf right. when it was announced how little anybody mentioned it. Oh, right. The day that the nominations come out, Front Row and all those sort of programmes, all mm. the arts programmes. On Front Row, I don't think they even mentioned that you'd been nominated. All right,
1: Michael, give it a rest, mate. I, I, I know, I was pissed off. <laughs> I, I, I went, well, hang on a minute.
0: Yeah. That's yeah. the best film. I thought it was the best film.
1: Oh, th- well, I, I'll be, I watched Banshees recently. And, have you seen that? Yeah. Blimey. Yeah, no, that's not bad, is it? Blimey O'Reilly, yeah. <laughs> I know. Yeah. I've never, I, yeah, i would never had any ambition to make a film, really. It was something other people did, and I had no idea how you went about doing it. I still don't know. <laughs> I don't know what we put on screen. And um, like me and Chris are starting to write a new idea now. Right? Well, I don't know what to do. I don't know what we're doing. Yeah, no. Yeah. <laughs> no. But that, is that what happened with Brian and Charles? Do you sort of go, well, that's quite an interesting idea. Let's see where it goes. That idea was me, Chris, Rupert, and then Jim, the director, Mm. just loving Charles and putting my character, Brian, with him and just thinking, well, let's make a little short film and sort of immortalise him and just go, we were really worried, I don't know why, (laughs) that someone else would go, I'm going to do a robot thing that's a bit cranky and doesn't talk very well. (laughs) So we just wanted to sort of put it out there and go, we did this and then move on. Yeah. And I remember when Jim sent the edit... We just went, yeah, YouTube, 270 views, move on, next. Mm -hmm. And then it just gained a bit of a, yeah, bit of a thing. In fact, we felt it the first day. Suddenly, lots of people that I really admired got in contact online. And I was like, oh. Yeah. Oh. Uh, This is more than I thought. Yeah. Oh, my God, yeah. Yeah. Way more. Yeah. So I've written some stuff before with Joe, and it just goes, like, stuff that I'm really proud of. It's mm. just totally under the radar. You go, oh, right, okay. <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. And that's often the case, isn't it, in a career?
0: I mean, if you get interviewed on other podcasts or something, and people are talking to you about your career, and they tend to sort of go through a list of things, and you go, yeah, yeah, I did all those, yeah, yeah, I did all <laughs> yeah. those things. But actually, yeah. the thing that you really, really loved,
1: nobody ever mentions. no. And so I question: Is what is that thing that I put out that I really loved? Is is it any good? Is it rubbish? Is it me? Is it yeah? It's a weird thing. What sort of connects? And I felt like Brighton and Charles was sort of special because we loved it, and whenever we did it in the clubs, people loved it. But I didn't think anyone else outside of that environment would like it. Mm. But. Well, I mean, people listening to this will like, I didn't like it. <laughs> but some, some people liked it, OK? Yeah. <laughs> you can move on, for God's sake. On and Brian
0: Charles, Brian <laughs> Charles. Yeah, yeah right. I know. Yeah. 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 Well, before we leave it, I'm going to tell you, and this, I may have emailed you to tell you this, but it's an extraordinary connection. Inasmuch as I was on the same course at university with your executive producer and his wife, Oh, Danny Batsek. Oh, right. Yeah. Oh, okay. We went to college together.
1: I haven't met him.
0: Have you not met him? He's your executive no. producer. He's a lovely
1: bloke. Oh right. Cause we when we filmed it it was it was COVID, so no one from film four or anything sort of came to set. It was just us and a crew of forty. Yeah. So they just let us get on with it. So I haven't met I mean, I haven't met him. Right? No.
0: It's sort of perfect, in fact, then, yeah. because that's exactly what you'd want. You don't want those people hanging around saying, well, wouldn't it be funnier if you sort of did a face at that point? And, yeah. And you
1: go, yeah. no. No, you're right. You're absolutely right. We, we were left to get on with it. And partly I was worried because um, there would be times where Chris would walk on as Charles and I'd go, flipping how? What are we doing? He's <laughs> tall, <cold>, isn't he? <laughs> yeah, we were really worried that people would just go, well, that's just a bloke in a box, which we sort of
0: knew it was. Yeah. But... Well, that is the beauty of it, I think, the yeah. fact that it is just a bloke
1: in a box. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyone can do this, Michael. Yeah. Anyone can do this. <laughs> Anyone can do it. I've got a box. <laughs> I've got a bloody just box. do it. Just film yourself.
0: <laughs> yeah yeah well yeah. despite you not thinking that you should be on this i'm really interested to find out the things that you choose okay because you've had a slow burn in your career <laughs> is it all right to call it that <laughs> well
1: as in no one's been interested <laughs> well sort of yeah <laughs> well, sort of. yeah <laughs> yeah sort of it, it yeah. took
0: a long time for people to get you do you know what I mean? Well, I, was, I was years ahead of the
1: uh, yeah. No, it did. Yeah, I tell you what kept me going is Ricky Gervais. Yeah, supported me right at the start, and so all all the years of struggling and the years in the clubs getting booed off and you know bottles thrown at me, I always had his voice in my ear going, "No, it's fine. Keep doing it." Mm-hmm. I, if I if I hadn't had that, I would not have carried on. No,
0: he's very good at that, isn't he? It seems to me there's no side to him when it comes to choosing people. He either thinks it's funny or he doesn't. Mm. It's nothing to do with, is he famous? If you look at the casting of of Afterlife, he's just gone for the people that he
1: likes. Yeah, I mean, when he first got in touch with me, I was driving a van. That's it. I was driving a van and I made a video one weekend and it just so happened it ended up on his desk or it's on his agent's desk. And him and Stephen were in the room. And they went, I'll stick it on as a VHS. And um, they liked it and just rang me up and and then offered me extras. Yeah. Brilliant. But that's how it should work, really. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it should. It was funny. At that point, I was like, here we go. Here we go. That was 2004. <laughs> <laughs> <This is it. laughs> here
0: we go. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, we've all been yeah. there. I got a phone call from... Uh, a dear departed friend of mine, Jeffrey Perkins, who oh, was yeah. he was out in Geneva at Montreux, and he was at the Montreux Festival, and the program that we were in together had just won the Golden Rose. What was the program? It was KYTV.
1: Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. I think we did yeah. years
0: and years ago. He rang up. He was a bit drunk, and he went, "That's it. Don't worry about anything. We're made. That's it. <laughs> yeah. We are never going to have to worry about money. Yeah. and it's <laughs> going to, you know, it's fantastic. Have a break. Oh, hey." Yeah. And and I yeah. went okay, great. And I said to my wife, Jeffrey said we don't have to worry about money anymore. Apparently, we just- <laughs> <laughs> You know, we we had we had a party at the BBC, yeah. And then uh, two weeks later, they cancelled the program.
1: Oh, right, <laughs> God. When do you, when do when do you, how do you, how do you know when you've made it, Michael? <laughs> On your deathbed,
0: okay. I think. Smash when it. you're surrounded by television executives saying, no, don't go, don't go, we
1: need you for okay. one more thing. <laughs> okay. Yeah, that's yeah. it. Yeah. Uh, it's bollocks, really, oh isn't it? Oh, God. Yeah, it's bollocks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And that's, why th- that's why I like podcasting, just having that control to create, Whatever you want to create without any sort of gatekeepers and just putting it out there and hopefully people sort of cling on to it. I love that part of it. Yeah. Yes, I yeah. like the fact that well, particularly chatterbicks
0: that you do. I I really like the fact that it absolutely can go anywhere. Yeah. And sometimes with a podcast, that annoys me. I think myself, Well, have some sort of structure. Please. But the structure is absolutely whatever comes up we talk about.
1: Yeah, that was it. Mm. Yeah, I wanted it to be like a, a daily diary, and I, I, I sort of, I imagined me when I was gardening needing a podcast. Going, oh, at least I've got that for half an hour in the morning. <laughs> that'll that'll fill the void. Yeah. So I, want, I wanted <laughs> to create that, and it's <laughs> yeah. done more than that. I should imagine. Yeah. Yeah, it's done all right. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I bet there are times when you think,
1: oh, God, we're we doing it again. Do you know what? It's strangely, I don't get that, or maybe Joe does, but. I quite like just offloading for half an hour, just splurging mm. out thoughts and not having to worry about. I think it's quite healthy to just, yes. just... just, And for me, it's been really good in just opening up a bit more rather than hiding behind a character. And, yeah. yeah. You do slightly imagine when you're listening to it,
0: or I do, and that may be weird, uh, but I slightly imagine it in a sort of a more and Wise-ish sense of you sort of living together right. not necessarily recording in the same
1: room yeah but in the house you know yeah <laughs> yeah yeah we wouldn't be in the same room we don't like whenever we're in the same room we really clam up so we we, we have to do it over zoom i'm off yeah. to the other room we'll, we'll zoom each other <laughs> we when we filmed the cockfields we were living together for six seven eight weeks and we recorded chatterbox and he had to be in his room and i had to be in mine there we, we did are it over zoom you can sense that <laughs> <laughs> <I like. laughs> How uncomfortable we are! Yeah,
0: I really yeah. like
1: it. Oh, thank
0: you. Or maybe he like he lives next door, and you go out with a cup of tea. Yeah, and chat through the fence. You know that sort of thing where you can't really see each other.
1: <laughs> yeah,
0: that's good. Yeah, <laughs> there we are. That's the next podcast
1: <laughs> through the fence. <laughs> that is a good podcast. Actually. <laughs> yeah, I said to Joe, let's let's make a podcast for every category. Just throw enough shit at the wall.
0: and see what sticks let's do ghosts we've got to do ghosts that's a big (laughs) area
1: yeah ghosts serial killers yeah
0: i'm thinking of moving into my second podcast which is a bold thing i have an autistic grandson yeah nathaniel natty yeah who is just the most entertaining person in the world i think yeah i can talk to him for hours and hours we played a game the other day which is on his phone where it starts out with lots of segments on a wheel and you spin it randomly and it stops. And he'd filled them all in with countries from around the world and we played random World Cup, where basically you spin the wheel and I'm allowed to pick three countries and I see if I can win the World Cup. Mm -hmm. And it's completely random. It was one of the most thrilling games I've yeah, ever... Yeah,
1: that sounds great.
0: I got Ecuador to the final. Did you? Congratulations. they got gotten beaten by Qatar. Right. It was so annoying. Yeah, that's
1: a good little game. It's a good game. Yeah.
0: But I'm thinking of putting out a podcast with just me and him chatting, basically him chatting and me going, oh, yeah, what's that?
1: Yeah, that's great.
0: And to hear the world from the, the point of view of a 10-year-old autistic boy. Wow. Do it. We'll see. Do it. Yeah, I I, I think I will. Yeah. In fact, I certainly will. I will. It's just, you know, finding the hours in a day. Yeah. But I am recording, you know, every time we get together.
1: Oh, are you? If you could. Yeah, yeah.
0: Every time we get. Just we sit and talk and I just take my phone and put it. And then he's off. It doesn't matter.
1: Wow. Yeah. Yeah, that would be fascinating. I made a game for my boys called Bums and Rockets. Yeah. That was about it. (laughs) 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 It was basically Snakes and Ladders, but. uh, Yeah, you you get it. You stuck bums and rockets on the board and sort of. They love it. (laughs) Yeah. It's it's very easy to entertain (laughs) children, I think. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It really is. Do you know what? You forget, or I forget, how easy it is. I feel like I have to come up with these bigger ideas and they can be entertained by the smallest thing. Like, I know it's a cliche, but they might get, if they get a present, they. They of the present within five minutes, and then it's the box. Mm. They want to create something out of the box. and As you did. Yes. Yeah, 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 <laughs> exactly, yeah.
0: Now yeah, we've got a dressing-up box in our house, that I keep thinking, well, we must be past that now. The youngest one is five, so, you know, there's still an element of that, but generally dressing up, that would be a thing you'd think they'd do when they were very small. Yeah. But my grandson Natty and his sister Edie, were at our house yesterday, and they've done it several times. I've got a recording of me and Natty going into town with him dressed as a woman called Greta, (laughs) who's an old lady who's a bit, you know, she's a bit curmudgeonly and keeps telling people to get out of the way, and she's got a walking stick. And genuinely, he's got a wig on, a hat, a skirt. A little walking stick. He's got a handbag and a walking stick. And he walked into town. Incredible. He went to shops, and he spoke to everybody as if he was an old lady. (laughs) You know, i might try that hello dear yes um, i'm not so happy with my walking stick have you got a nicer one
1: that's amazing yeah
0: i mean i think he genuinely thinks or genuinely believes that people think he's an
1: old lady yeah it's amazing yeah my boys went up and down the cul-de-sac dressed as traffic wardens just putting tickets on everyone's cars <laughs> we like, absolutely convinced you know it's brilliant it is brilliant I mean, I think that if
0: you don't lose that thing, mm. if you go through life and you still sort of have that in you.
1: Well, I have a battle with that, Michael. That's my that's my battle between allowing myself to play and feeling like I need to grow up. Right, Yeah. and slapping yourself down. Yeah. I don't know if you feel like that with, with acting and like, really, is this what you're doing, David? Are you doing this every day? <laughs> <laughs> How are you helping anyone?
0: Yeah. <laughs> I've never really felt that, no. Haven't you? No. I'm not
1: bothered by the fact that I just mess about mm. for a living. I th- I sort of feel blessed. Yeah. God, I need that. I mean, I do. I feel very happy. And there are times I'll pinch myself for what I'm doing, but I definitely have that battle of, really, this is it, is it? You're just doing this. Yeah. <laughs> mm. No, I'm never. I've never been one for I don't get embarrassed very easily God I need I need to spend a week with you (laughs) because I get because I thought on my gravestone I'm going to have well that was embarrassing (laughs) because because my whole my whole life has just been feeling incredibly awkward and embarrassing in every situation yeah yeah (laughs)
0: But your characters have developed into that. They've always got that that sense of, of, um, well, they say outrageous things, but they apologise for it almost immediately. They apologise before they even say it. Yeah, Yeah. I love that in your characters. I love all the different performances you've done. There's always that little element of, I shouldn't really be here.
1: Yeah. Oh, my God. Well, as I said at the start of this pod. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It's like apologising before, yeah. In advance,
0: yeah. (laughs) There you are. Yeah.
1: Weird. Well, hopefully you've
0: got a list. I have got a list, as it goes. Oh, how brilliant. Yeah. Well, let's talk through those
1: and see what that reveals. Okay. Okay, so what's number one on the list? So, I think number one would have to be The Cure. Ah. So, the band The Cure. Yeah, yeah. And Robert Smith.
0: Absolutely fantastic band.
1: Yeah. And having spoken about feeling awkward and kind of other and i'm like oh i think he represented that thank you for michael for (laughs) opening my eyes (laughs) yeah i think he represented that to me growing up and still does because whenever i see him on stage i'm like you look like you feel like you shouldn't be there yeah so them they have had a that they're always in my life it's just bizarre Mm. and with him, it's like, it's the it's definitely that awkwardness and going, oh, it's sort of all right to be awkward. I think that's fine. Yeah, but there's also an
0: element there of he's sort of gone, well, do you know what? I'm going to really go for it. I'm going to, I'm going to dress up a bit. Yeah, and well, that's exactly, hiding behind a character. And- I'm going to do my hair, silly. I'm going to put a bit of makeup on. Yeah. And I'm going to do that. Right, here we
1: go, here we go. And then he walks on and goes, oh, I shouldn't have done this. <laughs> <laughs> Although, uh, it'd be interesting because... I, we chatted to Lawrence Tolhurst last week on Chatterbix, who's a founding member of The Cure. Mm. Joe got him on as a surprise guest for me, which absolutely uh, blew my nut. But um, <laughs> I kind of think, oh, can you get that far in whatever industry you're in if you're feeling that awkward? Or is, is there got to be some kind of, yeah. No, I mean, I think you've got to have a confidence in
0: what you're doing. Yeah. But as you say, you can just be doing it for you and a couple of mates. Yeah. That can be enough, I think. Yeah,
1: yeah. And if it, if it always, it's always felt that way with their music. that uh, And it just so happens it connected with millions of people. And, but I'm honestly, I'm still dressing like him now. It's pathetic. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, over there, I've got a black mohair jumper. Brilliant. Like, David, you're nearly 50. <laughs> is that all Fantastic. right? <laughs> yeah, it is. It is. Have you seen them a lot, perform? Do, do you know what? no. Weirdly, I've seen them sort of. I saw them when I was 18. I went to see them at Wembley Arena and uh, I stood there just waiting for them to come on. I was like, oh God. So I was dressed like him. And I remember walking around the perimeter of Wembley Arena and there were thousands of cloak like lookalikes. It was bizarre, but I felt at home. I thought, here we are. We're all together. Yeah. We've all got our lippy on. So, so I was waiting for him to come out and then I could see his silhouette coming up from the back of the stage with his hair and I just started crying Uh, yeah yeah yeah. that was it I've only seen him two or three times but I was saying to Joe it would be great to get him on the pod but I don't think I don't think any of us would come out looking good after that interview
0: (laughs) you'd just sit there weeping I'd weep he'd just stare at me
1: (laughs) and you'd say stay right there I'm just going to go and change my jumper (laughs) yeah yeah yeah, it's funny. They've always been. Yeah, they've always been in my life. I thought I might have grown out of it, but no, no, I haven't. So I'm not really aware of their music more recently. No, I'm sort of. I thought I always keep an eye on their music, but it's kind of. It was the music up to the sort of early '90s, and then. Uh, mm. But yeah, I don't know what it was.
0: No, yeah, well, I think that element of exactly of what you're saying. Yeah, that I didn't really feel that I could do anything outrageous, and then suddenly there's this opportunity. I think a lot of people, for a lot of kids. That's exactly what pop music is, Yeah, is you see someone, you see, you know, I mean, when I was young, there were lots of people, because I was right at the age of sort of 14, 15. You sort for of Bowie, a were
1: you around for Bowie? Yeah,
0: yeah, a lad insane. Right. Aladdin lad insane, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kids used to, if they had the chance to go out, dress as
1: they felt they ought to dress, yeah. they'd put a zigzag on their face. Yeah. You know. I mean, I, I came home, I was 16, 17, I came home one day, went upstairs to my bedroom, right mum, went upstairs to my bedroom, and on the mirror, written in lipstick, was I've found your lipstick. Thank you. From my mum. <laughs> oh, my oh, word. God. Oh, God. All right. Yeah. I wonder what she thought. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I mean, she used to play some crap in the car. So she had, she had no right to.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I've had enough of pericoma. Yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah. Poor mum. <laughs> did she come round to him? Did she like the man in the no. end? No. Well, um, did she? She. I think she, I think so. I mean, she She used to drop me off at school. I'd get out of the car with my sh- long shirts and my big trainers and walk off to the school gate. And she always says she used to just see all the other parents kind of looking at me going, oh, God. <laughs> and she, she'd feel really embarrassed, <laughs> but, uh, which is fair enough. But I think she came round to it in the end, yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Good, Well, all right, we're going to take the cure yeah. and put them into the time capture as your first thing. Yeah. It's the first person to choose the cure. Really? Surprising, I know.
1: Okay. Great, okay, so what's number two? I've got here filming locations, forward slash 40 Towers. <laughs> right. <laughs> I'm sort of <laughs> obsessed in the last, not obsessed, but I've got this, I get so excited when it comes to, filming locations of iconic shows or films. Oh, right, yeah. I don't know what it is, but, I mean, once every two months I'll Google 40 Towers filming locations and just stare at bloody hell. So (laughs) he, they pointed the camera there and he walked up the street. And last year I took my son to the first church where they filmed, the first church in um, Four Weddings. Ah. I said, "This this is a church where... I don't care, Dad. Yeah, yeah, I know you don't care. <laughs> but this is where Hugh Grant pulled in, and uh,
0: yeah, you see, he ran in. He was late. <laughs> yeah, he'd, he'd just been
1: saying fuck. fuck this fuck, is where fuck, fuck, he parked fuck. his car at an angle because he was late, and he ran. I don't care. Yeah, I know you don't, <laughs> but you will. <laughs> oh, brilliant! And I took him to the Withnall Cottage, Withnall and I Cottage. So we went up to Penrith. Hmm. <laughs> He was like 12, 13. And I said, We're going to watch for, uh, with and I tonight cause, because we're going to the cottage tomorrow. Oh, right. And then the next day I took him down this unmade road. And then you had to park at the end. And then it was probably a half hour walk uh, down this path. <laughs> and then the valley. And over there, there's the cottage. Is it? Yeah, that's the cottage. <laughs> <laughs> and we had to walk down this you know I had to carry him over a stream And but we walked up this hill we got to the cottage so yeah I'm a bit of a yeah
0: and he said Dad you know you're weird don't you and not only yeah. that very annoying because you know how many parking tickets I could have given out this morning yeah exactly
1: yeah. yeah it is weird isn't it is it weird no, I don't know
0: no I mean these are all programs you love are they
1: yeah mm. like honestly I mean shows that you've been in Michael there'll be scenes that I'd go wow you stood there you stood. <laughs> it's it's like this make believe world that I can enter. It's very bizarre. I, I can understand the excitement. I I get excited
0: when I drive past somewhere that I've done filming. I sort of go, "Oh, we filmed so like Yeah, that. it takes you right back to it. Yeah. So if you really like a programme or you enjoy a scene, and then you're there, it can take you right into
1: it. Yeah. Can't it? Yeah. I mean, we, me and Joe, started a little WhatsApp group with Natalie Cassidy, Sonia, and Eastenders. Hmm. And uh, at the moment, once a week, she'll send a video to us. Yesterday, we received one of her on a little buggy being driven from her dressing room into Albert Square. And I'm like, I'm in heaven watching this video. (laughs) She's sort of going along and it goes around the corner and the Queen Vic appears. I'm like, oh, my God. Wow, yeah. I don't know. You do that every day. You do that every day and you don't care. (laughs) Yeah, you don't care. Yeah, so that is a thing that yeah, I would put in.
0: I do find it exciting when you come across those things. Yeah. So, for example, I used to work at Granada Television and our window overlooked Coronation Street. Now, come on. No, seriously, the, the set was at the back of the buildings.
1: See, that would blow my
0: mind. <laughs> Every day, yes. <laughs> we would sit there and occasionally you'd hear a sort of a loud bell ring, which meant don't shout in your office.
1: Yeah, I think you've been on so many sets, Michael, that you don't actually care. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I feel – I guess it's sort of sitcoms for me. Yeah, for instance, like 40 Towers. Because I think it's my favourite sitcom and those that set, mm. and I, I just look at it going, oh, wow, he, they filmed all of those shows in sort of three-hour blocks or whatever, and it's just – that magic was caught in those three hours. Yeah. And there were just people there sitting, sat there watching. Well, they could have touched the scenery. <laughs> that, I thought that was a hotel. That, yeah, I, I can't get my hope around <laughs> that it wasn't this real world. Yeah.
0: Yeah, well, I can. I do remember the thrill of walking onto the set and seeing the nag's head in 94s, you know, just going, ah, oh, there it is. Now, come on. Yeah.
1: Did you, did you get a thrill? Did you go, oh, well? No, I did,
0: yeah. Yeah, because, I mean, by the time I did it, It was in the sixth series, so it was a big show, and you sort of think, "I've seen this loads of times before, and there it
1: is." What was it like when he? You're in the Nag's head, and he walks on dressed as Del Boy, and you've been watching it for ten years or whatever. I mean, that's and now you're in the world. Yeah, well, I
0: didn't do a scene in the place, so I went wandered around. I did sit at the table with them before they started the scene.
1: Wow! Wow!
0: Yeah, which is really weird. I said, can I come and sit down? And they went, yeah, yeah, sure. Oh,
1: my God.
0: So I was sat in
1: the nags head with the characters from Bores and (laughs) Horses. You've done it. You've you've lived my dream. (laughs) (laughs) You've you've done it. I mean, I've got a map. I've got a map here. Yeah. filming locations around the UK. I mean, honestly, I have got a problem, Michael. You're aware of that. (laughs) You are aware of that, yeah. Well, you say one problem... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> of course. <laughs> yeah, it's all the filming. Like, I mean, you got Jeeves and Worcester, Eyes Wide Shut, Gladiator. Anyway, yeah. Oh, wow. Oh,
0: God. Uh, do you know that I did an episode of Mr Bean? No. He's in room, I think it's Mr Bean in room 10 something. I don't know. I can't remember what it's called, but it was filmed at a hotel uh, on the seafront of South Sea. So if you're ever in that area, Look up the episode because there's a lot shot at the entrance to the hotel.
1: Well, you've just reminded me that the first episode of Mister Bean. I think he's on the beach, taking his trying to take his trousers off and keeping his pants on. Yeah, I tried to work out where that was. Oh, right. Why? Well, he's honestly, this is this is quite unhealthy. This podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I tried to work out where right where, where, where those steps. Those steps are somewhere between. There and there, yeah. and yeah, that's Richard Curtis, isn't it? as the other man. No, no, it's oh, the bald guy, I can't remember his name. Is it? Yeah, he gets up and he's um, it was a reveal that he's blind.
0: Oh, right, but it was always Richard Curtis when they did it as a sketch on the stage. Oh, was it? It was a stage sketch, yeah. Oh, okay. So, in fact, those first Mr. Beans are in fact a gathering of. I think of a number of sketches that he'd done.
1: Are they really?
0: In this non-speaking character on stage. Okay. And they just put them together. Yeah. Amazing. That did rather well. it <laughs> did, not just, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it did all right. Okay, all right, well, let's put locations, <laughs> filming locations. Yeah. Have you ever found out where the street is, where he smashes the car with the branch?
1: Yeah. hmm Done that. Been there, done that. <laughs> <laughs> but and you, know, you know the hotel burnt down? Did it? No, yeah. I didn't know that. Uh, I say it as if everyone should know that. <laughs> I thought you were going to go, yeah, 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 I know that. <laughs> Give me a moment. i just,
0: just, please, I've got to get over that news. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Thing is, it does upset me, that news. I so I can't go there and see where Basil Forty ran down those steps, and I can't now go there. And I thought, really? Yeah. You can't ever recreate <laughs> no. that opening shot. I can't stand where. John Cleese did, and uh, it's very difficult to um, articulate what I'm feeling.
0: Mm. (laughs) Sorry, everyone. No, right, it comes from an admiration (laughs) for programmes. I think that's fine.
1: Yeah, but it feels like it's disappearing into a a little fantasy world as well. I (laughs) I do. I think it's being childlike again. I think it's trying to
0: keep that going. Right. Yeah. Because there must be a location, even though it was augmented, for um, Teletubbies. Been there, done that. No, <laughs> no <I haven't>. <laughs> <laughs> get out of yeah, it. Yeah, you yeah, got my own costume. Jumped about on the hill. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, brilliant! Oh, All right, David, let's put that into the time capsule. Let's move on to item number three. Okay, sorry to interrupt. I hope you're enjoying this episode. I certainly am. But we have to leave Dave Earl for a few moments while we play you some adverts. For anyone who signed up to Acast Plus, of course, there won't be any. But for our regular listeners, as the pizza gammon on Arnold Schwarzenegger's farm always says, I'll be back. Yeah, see you soon.
1: Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice
0: things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Welcome back, Gammon, to part two of my time capsule with the actor David Earle. Here are the remaining things he would choose to put in his time
1: capsule. Now, I've put here the West Indies cricket team from the 1980s. Oh, very good. Yeah. Which players in particular are you thinking of? Viv Richards. Viv Richards? Viv Richards. Right. I wanted to be Viv Richards. Hmm. I sort of still do. I sort of Google him sometimes, look at him go, yeah, what am I being you? They were just incredible. And that was the first kind of, I think 1984, I think they came over here and absolutely battered us. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that's the first test series that I fell in love, properly fell in love with cricket. And I, so I would have been sort of nine, 10. Just sat in my room, just loving it. Yeah. And it was that team. And uh, when I was about 17, I said to my mum and dad, I'm going to move out to Antigua. (laughs) And (laughs) what? With your lippy on? Yes. With 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 a mohair jumper, you sure? (laughs) It's quite warm. (laughs) Yes, I am. And I'm going to teach cricket to young West Indian children. Are you, David? (laughs) Yes, I am. I remember getting really defensive once. Yes, I am, actually. And... uh, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and I never went. Oh. Uh, yeah, I loved, like cricket is, I've always loved cricket and they were the, that team. Yeah,
0: I think you could almost call them the ultimate team, couldn't you, really? Ah. Oh. I mean, the Australian team just after that were a great side, although. Highly dislikable,
1: <laughs> <But, laughs> yeah. even though they were great. Yeah, the West Indians, they just swagger around. Yeah, they, the West Indians, they came over, destroyed us, and you didn't care. You loved them. Yeah, they destroy us with chewing gum. You know, Viv Richards would just walk out to bat just chewing, chewing gum, and then just mm-hmm. spit it out, whack it across the pitch, and then go out to the square. And I think Richie Richardson used to go out to bat with... Like this watch that cost maybe a hundred grand, <laughs> and he'd still wear it because he was so confident that the ball wouldn't hit. <laughs> yeah, I just really like that confidence and that swagger. And um... yeah, nobody ever wearing a helmet. Yeah, just a cap. Yeah,
0: I remember Richard's hitting the fastest fifty. I think oh, he did it in sort of thirty-three balls or something. And you go, that's yeah. ridiculous. Yes,
1: yeah. so cool.
0: At a time when nobody did. When at a time when players like boycott would take exactly three days to get to exactly. 50. Yeah,
1: yeah. I just thought it was the epitome of coolness and used to watch videos of him just running around Antigua with his top off look at him he's got a great <laughs> set of pegs <laughs> yeah <laughs>
0: but that swagger coming out to oh. amazing
1: yeah like just a superhero did you ever get to see them I did I saw Malcolm Marshall walk past me down at Hove and I think Curly Ambrose was bowling so that was probably early 90s mm-hmm. so I'm not sure I ever saw Viv Richard but yeah I really like my cricket, and because of them, I think. Yeah.
0: I saw them in Australia. What year would this have been? It would have been 80, 82 or 83. Oh, and wow. Australia put the West Indies in, and they fell apart. Yeah, so you saw their one
1: failure of the 1980s. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, quite. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's that thing with sports, men and women that when you're young, just at an impressionable age, they mean more. Mm-hmm. I guess when the Australian side came along decade or so later, I'd sort of grown up a bit. i have moved on to, well, Lippy. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, yeah, because me and Joe, we interviewed Steve Davis. And I got, I got the same with him. I was like, that's Steve Davis yeah. talking to me. Mm-hmm. Why is he breathing my air? I couldn't believe it. And he was just... Sat on his sofa like, What why do you want to talk to me? What do you mean? Why do I want to talk to you? You're Steve Davis. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's kind of those. Yeah, those sports. Yeah, i was spoken to Limford Christie on here. And Have the you? Same thing. Oh uh, yeah. wow.
0: I was like a little child. I was just shaking the whole time.
1: Do you, and you, did you find that he was just like, yeah? Well, I just ran quick for a bit and. Yeah, exactly that. Yeah,
0: in a way that what's interesting about doing this podcast is that for him the things that really stuck with him were not winning Olympic gold medals. It was members of the crowd shouting to him. And his gran, growing up with his gran looking after him most of the time, those things were the things that when he
1: looked back on his life, he chose. Yeah. Every sort of sports person I've met, they are just like, yeah, I did that, Mm -hmm. as I guess we all are. Well, I suppose
0: also they have to come to terms with the fact that it's gone. Mm. I mean, you know, if you do something, if you're a writer or an actor or anything creative, you can still possibly, mm. you know, round the corner is, and then I did that, yeah, which I haven't done yet. Yeah. Whereas for a sportsman, you go, well, I'm never going to go back there.
1: No, and I guess that age is sort of early 30s and then, mm. yeah. Oh, wow.
0: So um, it must be useful, I think, to be able to, in a way, make it less significant in your mind.
1: Yeah. I spoke to Chris Hoy, cyclist. And he was saying, so I was talking about cricket with him, and uh, I was talking about a time I played for Sussex and I got a fifty. That was sort of my my highlight. Mm. And uh, he said all the feelings that he felt winning gold medals—they never kind of. It was those first moments as a child competing and winning. Those are the moments he cherishes and remembers. I was like, oh wow, yeah. So you know, getting a hat trick of the World Cup final, hitting a hundred at Lords doesn't really compare to being an eight-year-old and swinging a bat around, yeah.
0: No. Yeah. And I understand from your Twitter feed that you'd like to go and sit at Lord's. I
1: just want to be friends with them. I want
0: them... (laughs) I did offer to get in touch with David Gower for you.
1: Did you? Mm.
0: I sent you a little message. Do you know David Gower?
1: Yeah. What? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but the thing is, Michael, I don't want him going, oh, who's this bloke? I want him to go, I want to be David's friend. Well the chances are he's a he
0: does love comedy, David.
1: David Ga- now, this is David Gower, this is nineteen eighty-four, this is England v. That's West the man. England. Absolutely, yeah. Oh that's the problem. I want to climb into their heads though. Uh, I want, <laughs> and I think I'd find it very difficult to be normal around David Gower. Mm-hmm. But if you could email him, I'd appreciate it. <laughs> I'd, I'd, I'd love to. <laughs>
0: I will do on your behalf. Yeah, oh, wow. Definitely. What I mean, a man. he's. Yeah, I mean, he spends his entire time just going around the world watching cricket, which yeah. is almost better than being a cricketer, I think.
1: And drink wine?
0: He drinks lots of wine. <laughs> mm. And Does champagne, he? obviously, you know. And yeah. <laughs> so if you talk to him, all he talks about is I've got a friend who produces this gorgeous champagne.
1: <laughs> oh, dear. Oh, wow. Oh my. Yeah, I just. I mean Ben Stokes uh, got in touch with me. He got in touch with me. Wow. Out of the blue. So I was like, right, well, how do I how do I play this? Mm-hmm. Do I try and keep it cool? <laughs> what do I do? And I think I kept it cool. And then I sent a message about three months later thinking, oh, I'll just keep this little friendship going. And he didn't reply. Uh. <laughs> So I'm just trying to work out when to send the third message. Uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, what the threatening
0: one? Yeah. If you ignore me again, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I once faced an over from Curtly Ambrose. What? Mm-hmm. Hang on a minute! You can't come out with stuff like this. A celebrity cricket match, and I can't imagine why I was there because I really wasn't a celebrity in comparison with. Everybody else who was playing. Where was this? It was in Tunbridge Wells Cricket Ground, where I, I live.
1: Oh, I know. Yeah.
0: And I got out there and he came out and he, he bowled me a nice ball and I, I sort of just stopped it. And to me, it was, that's it, that's enough. Can we stop now? That's brilliant. I've got my bat to one of your balls, it well, was a very gentle ball. When was this? Oh, it must be in the nineties. Oh, so, so he was—he you know,
1: was still playing.
0: I suppose he was still, Well, he just finished at he, the end. Yeah. He just finished, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, wow. He then he then walked to the boundary
1: and turned around and started running towards me. <laughs> Did he? <they? laughs> Was, I can't imagine, I cannot imagine what that must be like.
0: It was brilliant. All the crowd clapped as he ran in, and I stood there thinking, I hope he doesn't really mean this, because if he lets one go, I'm going to just... Yeah. And he ran up, and he, he the full stretch and came right over with his arm, and then let a real little dolly go.
1: Oh, this is
0: heaven. <laughs> he bowled me. <laughs> Did
1: he? Yeah. <laughs> Did he? I
0: went for it far too early, and it just trickled up and knocked the bail over.
1: Honestly, absolutely heaven, That is for me. (laughs) I I say to people, the reason I attempted to get into showbiz was to be invited to Lords. Mm -hmm. I want to be invited to Lords, please. (laughs) (laughs) My brother is a
0: member. Is he? Yeah. (laughs) I'm sure he'd invite you. (laughs) (laughs) I love this podcast. (laughs) He does a lovely thing where he, um, whenever he goes to see a cricket match, I get a phone call at at some ridiculous hour in the morning, so it's 7 o'clock in the morning, where he's turned up at AMCC and he goes and watches the jazz band. And then he just calls me up, but he just holds his phone up. He doesn't say hello, nothing. Yeah, And all I hear is the jazz band, and then eventually he just stops it again.
1: Oh, Nice. Mm. I remember um, playing for Sussex, I was sub, I don't know I thought of this, but I was sub and we were on tour in the West down here in the West Country and I, I had to score, I've got this memory of just sat in the score box scoring and next to me was this 80 year old man with a pipe <laughs> and he was scoring for Somerset or whoever and I had the most wonderful afternoon <laughs> with this bloke. It's just this 80-year-old guy and all he cared about was cricket and smoking this pipe. Oh, it's fantastic. <laughs> yeah, so the West Indies cricket team, yeah. Fantastic. In they go.
0: Right, that's three things, David. So we've got two more to do.
1: Okay, well, I don't know why I put this down, but I've put cereal down, forward slash Farley's Rusks, when I'm feeling a bit... <laughs> <laughs> I'm a big fan of cereal. <laughs> yeah. And uh, do you eat cereal? I, well, I used to. I used to eat crunchy nut cornflakes almost Fantastic. every day. Fantastic, yeah. Fantastic. So did I. In fact, I had some at Christmas. I hadn't had any for 20 years, 15 years, and they were disgusting. <laughs> too sweet. <laughs> yeah. Way too sweet. Yeah. I used to wolf them
0: down. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Yeah. Well, now I have porridge so do every I. morning, but I have nothing in it. Oh, let's talk porridge. Okay. Have you ever tried porridge with absolutely nothing in it? Just milk. And when I first did it, I thought to myself, I'm putting honey in this, I'm putting all yeah. sorts of cinnamon, you know, let me just try it and yeah. see if, if I like it plain. Yeah. Uh, and I thought, mm, it's a bit nondescript, but actually, I really, really like it now.
1: Okay. Little touch of salt.
0: I don't even do that. No.
1: No, that's got you thinking. Oh yeah, no, yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm a big porridge fan. So salted porridge, though. I just, just, just a tiny bit of salt. Mm-hmm. I think it, it sort of cook it with water, right? Yeah, and then then add the milk afterwards. Ah, uh, right. No, I cook it with milk. Interesting. And then um, seeds, nuts, <laughs> frozen blueberries, and I have a whale of a time.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yours is a concoction. Mine's a quick breakfast.
1: Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, no, it is a concoction. Like, we were running late two or three mornings ago. My wife made it. I was like, we're really running behind here. Like, We've really got to get a move on here. <laughs> <laughs> she was putting all these wonderful layers and toppings. And, yeah, I'm, I'm a big fan of porridge. But when I'm feeling naughty, I'll get the Farley's rust in. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> Yeah. And isn't that funny? I was walking through Marks and Spencer just the other day and I hadn't noticed before that they have all their own homemade brands of all those classic cereals. So, of yeah. Cornflakes and Weetabix. And, Lovely. And I saw them all and I, I I spent a good 10 minutes wandering along just looking at the labels going, ah, yeah. all, all,
1: hang on a minute, all yeah. Bran flakes. Mm, <laughs> yeah, Bran flakes. Lovely. Yeah, and shreddies. Shreddies? I like shreddies. Yeah. I can, yeah, I can live with shreddies. I think, just thinking about it, my dad loved cereal. I think it's my dad. He would eat cereal. Uh, my Maybe, maybe they would be to chat about what we're eating tonight, and he'd go, oh, I'll just have a bowl of cereal, I'm fine. So he'd just eat cereal on the, uh, on the sofa. So I think I'm. it's because of him that I enjoy my cereals. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's enough, though, isn't it? Yeah. In fact, looking back at these now, cricket is him, 40 Towers is him, the cure is definitely not him. <laughs> but, yeah, yeah, it's through yeah, it's through my dad.
0: Well, it is those early things that you experience, I think, that stay with you for life, and you can't quite understand why. No. Because they don't necessarily come from a happy place. No. I, mean, I mean, I don't know. No. I don't think many teenage boys will look back on being a teenage boy and go, yeah, absolutely the best time. My God, I was so happy. It was perfect. I love the idea of... Feeling completely awkward and not feeling that I fit in with anything and being terrified yeah. of being bullied and beaten up all the time. I loved it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you think back to your childhood, your yeah, particular was, teenage years.
1: I I do find uh, recently, I think in my, the last two or three, four years, I've been thinking, right, what did I enjoy as a just pre teens? What did I like 10, 11, 12? Mm. And I feel like I'm got, I've gone back to there. So I've now gone back into, like, cricket and just getting nerdy about the things that I loved back then. Mm. And um, I, was, I was chatting to my son the other day, because he's sort of 20, 21 now, and he's sort of working out which route to take in life. And I was like, oh, what? Have a think about what you enjoyed doing when you're 11, 12, and maybe there's something in that. Mm. Just that kind of, um, that joy, sort of a bit of a freedom to that joy pre prior to teenage years, I think.
0: That's very good. That's a very good way to decide things, I think. Because actually those things, you clearly have been drawn to them because you actually do love them.
1: Yeah. And then everything gets a little bit chaotic and it gets a bit confusing. And you're told you have to make decisions. Yeah. Which direction are you going to go in? Yeah. Horrible. Our 20s are horrible, A uh, horrible decade for me anyway. And I think I think for a few, just too much choice and so much confusion. Mm. Yeah. I made the very wise
0: decision, when I look back on it now, of committing myself to one thing right at the
1: beginning of my 20s. Did you? Which was my wife. But for you to even know, for you to even have a thing to commit to... Yeah. ...feels like a bit of fortune.
0: Yeah, I just fell in love with my wife. Yeah. She was committed to it, and I went, okay, yeah. Yeah. And we did that, and we had children. Amazing. And so right through my 20s, I I didn't really have a choice. I knew exactly Mm. what I'd committed myself to in, in life, you know.
1: Where did you meet your wife?
0: At college. Oh, did you? Yeah. We happened to do a play, the only play she's ever done, and she happened to be in it, and I met her and Wow. Instantly,
1: that's so much fortune, so much mm-hmm, luck. Yeah. To, yeah.
0: Oh, no, that occurs to me all the time. Oh, babe. my God. The serendipity of life occurs to me every day. So I was talking to my grandchild about it just the other day, just saying, you know, had we not met, none of this, none of that, and not, not even you would be here.
1: Yeah. Terrible. Yeah, me and my wife had a peculiar meeting. Too long a story now, but yeah, (laughs) it's just uh, fortune and luck and Gordon Bennett. I mean, I do think when I so I got invited to the Baftas (laughs) under my breath. (laughs) So had a plus one or so. I'll bring my wife. Mm, Not sure you can. I beg your pardon. Uh, Yeah. Well, um, maybe you can, but she'll have to sit on a. Well, I'm not coming then. Yeah. She'll, yeah, but she'll have to sit on another, well, I'm not coming. I, I was genuinely like, if it hadn't been for her, I wouldn't have made that bloody film. No. She was at home looking after the boys and it's like, no, she is coming or I'm not going. Yeah. Yeah. Such a
0: bizarre. And also, I've seen the BAFTAs and Tom Hanks' wife sits next to him. Oh, yeah, don't worry about that. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, you're yeah. right, insist on it. Yeah, you know, I did. Even if this is the only time it ever happens, you go, yeah, no, that's it. Yeah,
1: she's coming. Well done. And now it's all about bloody her and what she's wearing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I bet yeah. she's written a speech.
0: <laughs> yes, she has.
1: <laughs> it's all about you it? and that bloody velvet dress. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, you can just sit there eating a bowl of cereal. Yeah, there you go. That'll show them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> cereal, if you don't mind, Michael.
0: Yes. Into
1: the time catch-all.
0: Absolutely yeah. perfect. Yeah. There we are. So the final thing we have to put in is something you want to put in there and forget, bury and never think of again.
1: Well, I've mentioned this on the podcast I do a few times, but I need to get this message out to people. Mm-hmm. Uh, VIX Sinex. <laughs> I'm telling you, it's uh, it's the devil's work. Yeah. I was addicted to that for years. Really? Years. Yeah. And the more I've spoken about it, the more people have come up to me and go, oh, I, I am. And a uh, couple of active, well-known actors, I, I won't name them because I'm embarrassed, but she said, oh, I've been addicted for a decade. Oh, yeah, so have I. Wow. Yeah.
0: Well, in the sense that, if you don't take it, you don't feel as if you're going to have a clear nose. If you don't
1: take it, you can't breathe. Wow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I've, I did it, so I went on tour a couple of years ago, and my support, she, she came in, she just went into a bag, and, <laughs> hey, stop that now. And, I, came, mm-hmm. and I, told her I gave her a lecture, and then I did a film last spring, and one of the actors was, <laughs> no, 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 stop that now. Yeah. And and they said, oh, God, yeah, because if I don't take it, I can't breathe, so I need it to, ah. yeah. <laughs> Do you think they surreptitiously
0: advertise it that way?
1: Well, they have on the label that if you, if you use it for over three days, there's a rebound effect where the interior of your nose starts swelling up. Mm-hmm. And the only way you can open it up again is by using the,
0: uh... <laughs> oh, this is disgusting,
1: oh, isn't it? That is terrible. Can I tell you my lowest point with Sinex? I'm over it now, by the way. Good. Yes. I, uh, I was in the Tate Modern, and uh, I had, I reckon, three bottles on me at any one time. One in a bag, one in a pocket, one in the car. And I uh, didn't even know I was, had this little issue. I wasn't even aware of it. I was just like, oh, it's just a thing that I do. Don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> and I uh, went in. I was completely boxed up. And I, I went into the toilets, and I got more or less a full Sinex, Took the lid off. Just, oh, I thought I was not doing anything. I sort, of, sort of panicking. I thought I can't breathe. I took off the whole lid, and I poured it all. Oh my god! Down my nose, into my skull. <laughs> and I was still. I like, thought oh, let's have another fuck now. And I thought I've got a problem. <laughs> <laughs> and, and it was at that point I thought, I have to stop this. And the cold turkey coming off these things was hell. I joined forums saying, I haven't had me for three days. And people were saying, <laughs> I, no, it wasn't. People were counting in hours. I'm having 52 hours. It's about wow. 54 hours. And, um, yeah, eventually after three weeks I could s- start to breathe again. It's like someone like that. Wow. Yeah.
0: So clearly this is something that... <laughs> oh, you can laugh. We should get this stuff banned. I'm not, I don't know, <laughs> no. I'm, I'm embarrassed that I laugh. No. <laughs> because, yeah.
1: Because this is, I mean, It's ludicrous. Terrible. It's really unsexy. When I met my wife, I had to admit to her, I've got a bottle there, I've got a bottle in the government. She was, What? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I saw an advert on the Tube yesterday
0: for um, talc compensation. Talc? Talc.
1: No, really. And
0: I think back to people I knew when I was younger who used talc and powder all the time. I mean, in copious amounts. I once shared a, a room with somebody at the Edinburgh Festival and was woken up every morning by, by <laughs> great clouds of talc. I'd love As to know who that was. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm not going to tell you. <laughs> Oh and i used to think why don't you just go and have a wash (laughs) how how dangerous is it then well apparently it gives you it well particularly for women ovarian cancer it's got stuff in it It used to have
1: oh my god
0: part of the ingredients have been shown to cause cancer we were encouraged to put this on babies weren't we yeah yeah Mm -hmm. oh
1: yeah i hardly ever used it but i love putting a bit of talc on my body (laughs) <laughs> it's a lovely feeling
0: yeah quite ooh, very
1: sweet <laughs> um, oh
0: look at me oh hang on a minute i just put a video on Vic sinex up so i can smell <laughs> <everything>. <laughs> yeah well i slightly understand it because i did at one time go through a process that every time i had an audition i would use eye drops that made your eyes sparkle bright eyes i think they were called
1: what which- really it's just little tricks of the trade. Yeah,
0: to make myself look, you know, a bit sparkly. Yeah. But the more I use them, what they do is it makes the blood vessels in your eyes contract. Mm. But, of course, as a result of that, your eyes then, as soon as they get the chance, go bright red. <laughs> so just <laughs> after each audition, I'd come out and look like i have been weeping. you know. Right. So I stopped after a while because I thought,
1: this just can't be good for your eyes. No. Really, to do this. But your eyes didn't? You weren't addicted to it. Your eyes weren't calling for more. No,
0: but I could see that I could have gone down that route that feeling that unless I do this, I don't look my best.
1: Unless I have bright eyes.
0: You know, wake up in the morning, a bit red.
1: Okay, let's put the drops in. I mean, the first, I'll come to an end of the Cynex story now, but it's nice (laughs) to get it off my chest. The first two nights without Cynex that time, they're my lowest point. I didn't sleep, I couldn't breathe. And then about one and a half weeks into it, at four in the morning, because I just hadn't slept for the week, I walked down. I was in Brighton. I walked down to the seafront just to get some fresh air. It was horrible. And as I walked up the hill, one of my nostrils cleared. And it was a wonderful feeling.
0: (laughs) Yeah. It's a beautiful moment. (laughs) It was
1: a beautiful (laughs) moment. You
0: wouldn't wouldn't have known it if you'd seen me. (laughs) Well, all the people in the street did when you went, yes! "Yes!"
1: Yeah, I think that man's nostrils cleared. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Lovely, lovely moment. Yeah, so I would love to banish that. Well, it's gone. Yeah.
0: Uh, It has gone from your life, I'm glad to say. Yeah. But you won't be able to get it again if you ever attempted. it. Good,
1: good.
0: David, what a lovely time talking to you.
1: Thank you for having me. No, no, my pleasure. No, I'm going to email David Gower now. Oh, honestly, can I do anything <laughs> for you? Do you want me to write you a song or something? It be very good, but... <laughs> can I give something back? You've given me enough,
0: <laughs> really. Uh, the warning about Big Sinex, there that's you enough. Go. there you go. Okay, <laughs> thank you, Michael. Thanks for having me. You have been listening to My Time Capsule, with me, Mike Fenton-Stevens, and my lovely guest, David Earle. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Please do rate or even review us if you get the chance, and you may find it helpful to subscribe to My Time Capsule so that you get sent all episodes as they're released. You can see what we're up to if you follow me or My Time Capsule on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook, and you're very welcome to listen to the Past the Peas music composed and performed theme tune on Spotify anytime you fancy. This was a cast-off production for a cast. Our producer was John Fenton-Stevens. Now, that was quicker than usual, wasn't it? In fact, I'm not being paid by the word, so... Actually, I'm not being paid at all. So I don't know why I don't keep it as simple as that every week. I mean, I'm just wasting your time, really, aren't I? In fact, I'm doing it right now. Look, see? Yeah. So I'll leave you in peace by telling you the most contrived joke I've come up with for ages. What do you call a woman balancing a pint of lager on her head whilst playing snooker on a table with very large pockets? Yeah, I'll give you a moment to work it out. Got it yet? Well, if you have, then you probably need to see someone like me. For those of you still sitting with a puzzled look on your face, a woman balancing a pint of lager on her head whilst playing snooker on a table with very large pockets is, of course, called... Beatrix Potter Yep, I did warn you Bye